Welcome, everyone. This is Colin Schatz. I'm Seth Partnow. I'm joined tonight uh, doing something a little different, which I, is the entire purpose of doing this podcast. Uh, I'm talking to uh, Emily Adrian, who is the author of a wonderful book uh, called The Second Season, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But first of all, uh, Emily, uh, how are you? And thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. I, I was realizing uh, as we were like getting ready to set this up that um, neither of us realized that we would schedule this for Valentine's Day. So you can tell we've been probably married for a while and both have <laughs> children because otherwise it just doesn't even register that today is a day of any sort. I mean, in our defense, it is a Monday. <laughs> yes. And yeah, it's, I mean, bedtime just ended. There's nothing left to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and sharing this most special day with me. You're welcome. Um, so I wanted to, before we got to your book, I, I saw that you on the trade deadline or approaching the trade deadline last week, uh, you're from Portland originally, and you were, uh, I guess, lamenting the, uh, the separation of the, of the uh, Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum uh, backcourt. So I just wanted to give you a, a moment or two to uh, um, lament that, as I said, um, yeah, as, I as a fan, like what, what, did, what did that mean to you and, and how have you processed it? Thank you for giving me this space. Um, well, as you know from reading my book, like I am a fan of NBA friendships. Uh, so, like, and of which I would say Dame and CJ are sort of like top tier elite NBA friendships. Um, so, always a bummer to see something like that, you know, broken up, whether it's for a good cause or not. Um, but I want to know what you think about it, because I find them blowing up uh, the team at this point to be like a little bit confusing. Do you think it's a good idea? I think that for most people who look at things from sort of the very tactical and strategic per perspective, it's probably a couple of years overdue. That's what well, that's what I think, too. And I wonder if at this point it's too late for Dame. That's an excellent question. Also, I, I do think that he's probably earned the right in Portland for them to try it mm -hmm. for, for a little bit. I mean, they, I mean, he, I think he's earned the right to, to kind of do whatever he wants to do. And if he decides he wants to give it the old try in Portland with kind of a new group, I think again, it, it's, it, he, he, he is of a stature and has accomplished enough and has been, I don't know, like loyalty is weird in sports, but like, I, he doesn't feel like he he owes Portland anymore. But if he decides he like he wants to do this in Portland, more power to him. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I agree with you. Um, I do worry that he will when he like faces the reality of playing on a, <laughs> a shitty team. He will get frustrated and demand a trade as soon as next season. Uh, but but I hope I hope that it, I hope it works out. I, I would love to see him win in Portland. And even if he's just, I feel like there's there's one of the great sort of sports archetypes is sort of the aging star, even if they, who who's sort of still in the arena, even if they can't quite get there. Yeah. So, it, like, even if the teams he's on are just pretty good and fall short, that's still thing to you that 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 the flip side of that is like the aging star on a team that's just bad is, is kind yeah. of sad 
Yeah, totally. Okay, so <laughs> moving abruptly, since you know the trade deadline is passed and we're done talking about that stuff, as sort of the NBA world tends to do. Yeah, uh, it was a whirlwind of a week. It, I, my head was my head was spinning on <laughs> on, on on Thursday. I have to admit. Um, but let's let, let's talk about your book, and instead of me kind of uh, doing my worst, introduce it. Um, why don't you describe it in in how you conceived it? Okay. So the book is technically about a woman who works as a sideline reporter for the NBA. And when the book opens, she is hoping to become the first woman to call NBA games full time on national TV. So for a network like ESPN. Um, So in that way, and in many other ways, it is like a Doris Burke inspired um, sort of counterfactual history. Um, And it's like a deep dive into just NBA fandom, sports broadcasting, um, what it's like to be a woman working in a male-dominated field. Um, But where this sort of narrative differs from anything that's directly Doris Burke-inspired is the moment where my protagonist is in a locker room at halftime during the NBA Finals. And she realizes that at age 42, she has accidentally become pregnant. Um, And she has to sort of choose between pursuing that unprecedented role in the booth um, and, and going through with the pregnancy. That was frankly a twist that I didn't see coming in the book. Um, And maybe that's just, just coming at it from the, the perspective of a, of a male perspective where that, that sort of just doesn't even occur. And (laughs) yeah. um, and but but to that extent, I thought that something you just said was 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 pretty interesting in that there isn't a lot of of kind of whether sort of fiction or otherwise a lot of writing about the sports life from the the female perspective. Um, you know, the stuff we right. do see tends to, to be the sort of awful stories that come out, unfortunately, frequently about you know harassment and things like that, but. We, we don't really hear a lot about sort of the day-to-day navigation almost. Right. Right. Um, so what led you to choose this topic? This is, this is your, your fourth book novel, I, I believe. Is that correct? Fourth, fifth? It's my fourth. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so what, 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 like, this is, this is your first in the sports genre. What, what led you down that yeah. path? I wanted to do something really different. I had written a couple of young adult novels uh, when I was younger that were just sort of straight ahead uh, coming of age stories. Um, And then when I became a mother, I wrote a novel sort of about uh, that really frantic, horrifying uh, postpartum period where you have no idea what you've done to your life. Um, And I wanted to keep writing on those themes. I wanted to write about marriage and parenthood and aging um, and sort of coming into yourself. But I just, I was really ready for something different to find just a really fresh take on, on those ideas. Um, And something I had been mulling over for a long time was, was the idea of writing a sports novel. Um, I think in part because my husband, who is like me in so many ways, has always been a, a sort of sports fanatic um, in a way that I 
was not growing up. Um, so I, I had always been sort of uh, dispassionately fascinated by how much he liked sports and how invested he would get in um, particularly the NBA. Um, and it, it, I started sort of watching it, watching basketball over his shoulder, just trying to get to the root of that fascination. Um, and it wasn't hard to get hooked. And the more I sort of discovered that side of myself, the more I wanted to write about it. Um, and I got the idea to sort of merge, you know, the topic of motherhood with, uh, the NBA when I started paying attention to Doris Burke. And I, it, it, it's funny because as you're reading the book, it's like, is, is this door? And then in the acknowledgement, it's, you make it pretty clear. Um, yeah. but, but what was it about her specifically that, that, uh, that kind of caused that light bulb to go. Um, I think it's, I mean, so the first time I really noticed her was during uh, the 2016 finals and I was watching her interview, interview LeBron after that win. Um, and as somebody who wasn't super familiar with, with the world of the NBA, I was just like immediately struck by the two of them together. Like she is not who, we would necessarily expect to see in such a like super visible role. Like she's an older woman and in, in, at least in on the spectrum of, you know, women on our TV screen, um, she's wearing glasses and she speaks in like this sort of deep authoritative tone. Um, and on the TV, she is standing next to LeBron who looks like a God. And like, it's this really emotionally charged moment for him. It's like sort of the height of his his professional life. And he is so clearly comfortable with her and was so like glad to share that moment with her. And I just needed to know like how she got there and who she was. And the, the moment that I referred to in my acknowledgments is me saying to my husband, like, who is that? And him saying like, oh, that's Doris. As if like everybody knows who she, who she is, as if like she's an old friend of his. And I just, yeah, I, I just sort of immediately uh, drawn to her and and wanted to to write a character like her. So both from the standpoint of, of Doris herself and kind of um, there's a lot of very, very kind of recognizable NBA moments in the book. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've researched and written a, a nonfiction book, but I've never done something or for fiction. So I'm, I'm, kind of very interested in the process of both with respect to Doris and so many of the other, other moments that really, that gave it the, the, the authentic NBA feel. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not, not, not just something that could, could happen. That's something that has happened. So how, how does that process go in terms of, of, uh, again, both the main character and just sort of the world building? Well, with, I mean, in terms of researching Doris, um, what's what's really prominent in the book is sort of her career trajectory, which is which is easy to to look up, and it's pretty unique to her. Um, so I read interviews with her. I listened to every podcast she's been on. Um, I read profiles of her in the New Yorker and the Athletic, and I just sort of figured out how she got to be where she is professionally, and I put that into the book. Um, and then there were some, just a few of like her biographical details that made it in. Um, 
and 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 a lot of like the more famous pop culture moments are fictionalized in the book like drake asking her out on live tv or like popovich tripping her up um or the air conditioner blowout game like all these things that are familiar to people who have been following basketball for a while um in terms of of like the world building it was sort of similar i i just as i you know, became a fan of basketball and sort of immersed myself in um, NBA culture, I sort of got a feel for what what events or moments are sort of touchstones for fans. Um, like, you don't, you don't have, you know, there's all these things where you can just say a, a tiny little reference and everybody knows what you're talking about. Like, if you, you know, mention the the Allen Iverson practice interview or something, everybody knows what you're talking about. Um, and I think that those references and moments can kind of build a fandom over time. Um, so I wanted to put those things in the book that would be, that, you know, provide this world for a reader and somebody who's not necessarily a sports fan to sort of feel grounded in this unique setting, but it would also be fun for people who are sports fans to be able to identify those moments and sort of draw the parallels to real life. It's almost the, there's the, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme of sort of pointing at the TV mm-hmm. a number of times. Like, hey, that's, you're talking about Seth Curry. Right. It's like, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I, I know you didn't actually talk to Doris as part of your research. Um, no. Is that something you would have wanted to do had you had the ability or did you think that it actually helped you kind of create the character from whole cloth not doing that? That's a really good question. Um, I I would have talked to her if she had been, if she had known about the project and been on board with it. I would never have wanted to talk to her while secretly <laughs> researching um, for, for a book like this. Um, and so I think it, you know, knowing that, knowing that I could not have gone forward with the project if I had known that she was actively against it. Like, I think it was probably good that I didn't have contact with her while I was writing it. Um, And I do think ultimately that it is a book that is inspired by Doris Burke. It is not about Doris Burke. I don't know her. I don't know what her life has been like. I don't know what she really thinks about (laughs) while she's working NBA games. For all I know, it is so completely off um, and unrecognizable to her. But I do think it succeeds as a novel. I think that the character feels real. Um, and, and I'm glad for that. And so I think it was probably wise not to get too uh, too tangled up with, with the real Doris. No, I think that 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 makes sense. And I think that's the, uh, were it me, I think that would have been the way I would have leaned too. Because like you said, first of all, like, um, if you don't ask, then, then you can't hear, <laughs> you know, yes. you don't get the, Oh God, no, please don't. And then, well, shoot, this was a good idea. And now I'm, now I'm like a ghoul. If I, if I write this out <laughs> right. or something like that, um, what was, the, what surprised you the most about the story as it, as it developed in your mind? Um, well, I, you know, it's funny when, when you interviewed me uh, for the athletic, you were, you you wanted to know why on earth I would write a, a, a <laughs> write a book in which Doris Burke was once married to Jeff Van Gundy, um, which is if if you read the book, it's pretty clear that the character of her ex husband, of my protagonist's ex husband, is based on Jeff Van Gundy. 
Um, and that was something that I had not totally planned, um, but I did need her ex-husband to be a character. I also needed some more sort of recognizable NBA personalities hidden within the book. Um, and when I got the idea to conflate those two people, I was like, oh, man, this is like a little messed up. <laughs> this is a... <laughs> This is going to this is going to be super weird for people like who know the real life figures that I'm writing about. Um, but I also knew that it would be really fun and would give the book like this very uh, sort of interesting vibe. So I, I would say that that moment surprised me the most. I I can't say I've scoured the internet, but I bet you're the first person to ever ship those two people. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And and hopefully the last, to be honest, it works very well in your book, but it's just like, it's, it, it, it's very much an alternative history. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people were, uh, I had a few people say to me like, okay, I get that it's Jeff Van Gundy, but like the guy in your book is supposed to be sexy with, which Jeff Van Gundy is not. Why did you write a sexy Jeff Van Gundy? And I, you know, I don't know. That's just, that's, that's where it took me. <laughs> Sure. What were what, what what did you find were the the hardest things to to get right about the world? What were there there things that you showed to someone and they were like, mm, that's not quite it, or stuff that sort of rang false the first time and you had to kind of uh, work it out through edit in, in editing. Yeah, I mean, I think so. When you're writing a book that takes place in a world. The, you know, as sort of specific and involved as the NBA, um, you need to know so much more than you're actually going to put on the page. So, like, I needed to know everything that this Doris Burke-inspired character would know, even if I wasn't going to, you know, bog down each page with, like, really technical descriptions of pick and rolls or whatever. But I needed like those those glimmers of what's going on in her sort of encyclopedic basketball brain to feel specific and natural um, and to sort of hint at how much she knows. And it's and you know to not feel like something I had just Googled the moment before I wrote the scene. So that that was hard and that took some practice. It really felt like learning a language and then just writing like maybe five or six sentences in that language um, in throughout the entire book, all the while having learned the entirety of the language. And that did take multiple drafts to get right. Um, as somebody who did not, you know, grow up uh, immersed in, in basketball fandom, it wasn't, uh, it, was, it wasn't something that I already had. It was something that I, I had to study basically. Um, and I had to run it by, you know, my husband and some of my friends who are, lifelong fans and say like does this sound right is this what she would say and sometimes it was just as simple as changing like one word here and there but it really did I think make a difference um in the overall authenticity of the narrative I mean I I I, I told you this before when we we talked last year when the book came out but I I thought you were tremendously successful at that so the effort was was certainly worth it um thank you in terms of of learning a new language um has when you when you watch now, do you feel like you you watch the game differently having having like gone through the process both of 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 learning that that language but also sort of creating an alternate reality 
sort of a almost if if you you know in in a wrestling uh, context it would be like the alternative promotion with its own world champion almost yeah definitely um some of the more some some of the really like nitty gritty technical details that i knew while i was writing the book have sort of faded um similar to how if you don't use a language you lose it um but there was, you know, when I was watching basketball pretty much every night during the years that I was writing the book, like I was obsessed with the sort of NBA world at large. And I learned a lot about people's friendships um, and you know, relationships to one another and just sort of odd team dynamics or who has beef with who. And now when I watch a game, I still see all of that. And when I'm watching, you know, younger players who weren't around a couple of years ago, I'm like trying to figure out, you know what their characters are and how they fit in to this world. So I'm going to ask a pointed question off this. And this is definitely a leading question um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that I'm hoping to elicit a specific answer, but um, don't, don't let that be any pressure or anything. Um, do you feel like the presentation of the game uh, as it's, as it is sort of currently does enough of that, that does a good enough job telling the stories of of the players, of their relationships, of their stories? Um, I mean, for in relationship to my appetite for that stuff, probably not. But I don't know if the average sports fan would feel the same way. I no, I sort of asked because I had I had uh, uh, Nate Jones, who's actually he's he's an agent who works with Dame Lillard actually mm-hmm. um, on on last week, and he, and he was he was opining that that's something that is that the the the, the league has sort of gone away from as it's mm-hmm. like you know it's, it has since it's become all about you know transactions and a couple stars and right. whatever the Lakers and Knicks are doing, and that's and really so interesting. You, and so you kind of lose. You know, there's, there. I think that, that was the thing I responded to certainly in the book was how every one of these, every one of the, the guys, the players in the, not to mention obviously the, 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 the Doris Burke character, but every one of, of the players in the, had their own kind of like story that could have, you could have like, you know, hypertext linked off and bounced off into a right. whole other novel off of any right. one of these. And that, and that's, you know, in a league of 450 exceptional people, that has to be the case. Yeah. Do you think that's the result of people moving around a lot more than they used to, getting traded, not staying with the same franchise? I I don't think so because I think it's I think it has been um, an issue with this is if, if if thank you for allowing me to get my soapbox out. Uh, <laughs> This has been, I think, an issue in sort of the national coverage of the game for yeah. more than a decade. Um, certainly, I think um, I didn't watch as much in a kind of mid two thousands when I was in, in in law school. But certainly, as once I picked it back up, it was just like they're doing well. They've got these stars that are aging, and they're not doing anything to really tell the stories of the next group. So. Yeah. It's just kind of you keep going to the well over and over again, and yeah. like, and you know, in in some ways, the NBA has been lucky that there's been some very charismatic people kind of following LeBron, yeah. So that when he retires in probably not too long, we still have you know you have Giannis who's got an incredible story. His story right. is so incredible that it's like 
you know, it, it doesn't need a lot of, of pushing to get told, but there are plenty of players who are super interesting, who just that, that stuff hasn't been told about them yet. So they're, right. they're, they're kind of anonymous. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think when researching the book, I really, I dug deep on a lot of players. Um, like I'm, I'm just, as a, as a random example right now, I'm thinking of Pascal Siakam, who I did a bunch of research on, um, and he has a crazy story. He has a really interesting biography, but I don't know that the average fan knows anything about him. Now that you mentioned this, yeah, I mean he's he's someone who I can I can speak to this a little bit because he was coming into the league uh, right as I started working in the league. Is he right. like he was someone who like there were teams that like who is this guy? Like that that's that's pretty rare, especially for a player who plays in the NCA who's like a draft prospect. To, right. Like we don't really know much about this guy. Um and and you know, he he and then he comes into the league and is, you know, an excellent player. Um yeah. and, and a pretty interesting personality as well. Yeah. But yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think I mean there's 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 a couple things going on there. One is he was not someone who's sort of known coming into the league. Um and he plays in Toronto, and not to yes. <laughs> not yeah. to uh, steer into the, the the Raptors. Nobody pays attention to us um, fan base, but they're not completely wrong. So that yeah, yeah, and that you know, I think I mean for U.S. media, that doesn't not make sense, but it's also I think unfortunate for the the, the from the standpoint of you know the league itself, yeah, the the un, the popularity and, and stuff. Yeah. Did you know I lived in Toronto for like eight years? I did not know that. Yeah. So you are you are familiar with the uh, in the, 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 the Raptor inferiority complex. I am. And I, yeah, my son was born there, so he's Canadian. Um, it's interesting. I think I lived in Toronto for so long and granted my circle was mostly academics and writers, but I don't remember anybody ever talking about the Raptors, even up there until, you know, until they started to sort of uh, pick up steam a little bit. Um, and then obviously 2019, it was all anybody talked about. But before that, it was like, it, you might not really have known there was an NBA team up there. <laughs> and and then at a certain point when it flipped, it flipped. Oh, yeah. It flipped hard. so hard. Did you ever, were you ever, were you ever in uh, Jurassic Park? Yeah, yeah. You were really, yeah. How how, how was that? <laughs> I uh, I sort of avoided the Deer District. Um, I, I was going to say like the plague, but that's a little on the nose um, <laughs> during the playoffs last year. But but oh so uh, oh sorry. So are you, does Jurassic Park specifically mean like the area outside the? Arena? Yeah yeah yeah. Okay, yeah. No, no, oh, okay. I was never there. Okay. I was only ever inside with, okay. with Drake. <laughs> Oh well, just you know, hang, hang, hanging with everyone's friend uh, Drake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so let me. I, I wanted to ask you about why you think that, like, sports are not a more fertile ground for fiction. Yeah, I thought about that a lot. I mean, I think so. To the extent that sports novels exist, they are almost always about baseball. Um. Or football, almost never basketball. There, there are some like there's some kid lit about basketball, um, but there's hardly ever like an adult literary title 
about basketball. And I don't know why, except that publishing and, and the people who are published writers are often pretty white. And so their experiences growing up playing sports and their experiences as fans might just tend to skew toward wider sports. Um, but I also think it, it could just be that basketball is so chaotic and so fast paced that writers don't know how to get into it um, and remain literary. Like I think baseball might lend itself to that more naturally because it's so slow <laughs> and meditative. It's, it's um, sort of paced as an epic poem. Exactly. Yes. And basketball, I think, can just look like a mess. Like it can just sort of look like way too much action with, with no, with no space to stop and think. Despite the fact that the sort of, I'm trying to think of a better, a better term than the soap operatic elements, but so the, the interpersonal, the, uh, the, the narrative elements seem like yeah. very, very fertile. Well, in, in, in I'm, I, I'm sure it would be in baseball as well, but baseball is such an individual sport that yeah. like the, yeah. the, 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 the great thing about, about basketball, I would think from a fiction standpoint is that the, the interpersonal can, it's not too hard to translate that into sort of the, into, you know, the workplace and onto the floor. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I also think maybe a shorter answer to the question of why there aren't more sports in novels is that novelists are nerds <laughs> <laughs> and they, they don't like sports. <laughs> I think that might, now that I think about this, that might be the answer. I mean, that's interesting because it seems like the thing that the the pieces of sports that people really grab onto when they become deep lifelong fans are things that that thematically should tie in well to fiction. I mean, Absolutely, they're the, the exact yes. things you've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that I mean, ultimately, being a sports fan is to be a fan of these really sort of. Uh, complex layered narratives, right? Like you're really watching to see how a story is going to end. Well, because I mean, that's that's what gives it meaning. I mean, yeah. it's 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 sort of accepted, I guess, that those of us do for a living that that these things are important. But yeah, he, and and you can understand why for, from a professional standpoint, you don't necessarily take a step back and say, "Well, why? Why is this important?" It's just ten guys in shorts running around with an orange ball. It's like, <laughs> it, it it matters because it matters, but here's why it matters. And it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think one thing that makes sports really interesting um, from a writer's perspective is that it's it's happening live. I mean, we all accept that like, like we'll all sit around watching the most generic of, of television plots or watching an action movie or whatever. Um, and we sort of accept plots that are really predictable and really formulaic and sports are really anything but that. And they're happening, you know, right in front of you or on a like seven second delay in your living room. Um, and there's a lot that can't be edited out. You know, there's a lot that you end up uh, privy to that is is messy and complicated. But maybe that that cuts both ways. As, as I think that 
I'm I'm a I'm I I don't know if this is an embarrassing admission to a novelist, but I'm a I, I'm a voracious reader of Jack Reacher novels, and mm-hmm. it's the same book every time. Sure. But that's why yeah. that's why you know that that but that's why it's 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 very it is a uh, it is a reliable restaurant that that doesn't do anything special. It just does what it does and does it you know. Yeah. At, at a at a B plus level, so you just like, sure. I feel satisfied of this meal every time. Of course, yeah, yeah. And and sports have the ability to, um, the variance, I, I guess, is, is is larger. When it's good, it's really good, but you know, yeah. maybe it's, it's more molecular gastronomy. It's like, yeah, that, no, why? Why would you do that? I can't, yeah, I, I never want to see that again. I mean, there's that happens a much larger <laughs> percentage of the time. Yeah. Because don't like as bad as the worst show on like net on like mainstream TV is, it still yeah. kind of had to go through so much that there's only with rare exceptions, it's it can only be so bad. Yeah. Whereas a bad sporting contest <laughs> it can is be such like a show. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I you know, I'm I, I, I think we're fortunate that you just, you became a fan of NBA basketball, not college basketball, because yeah. <laughs> like I some something tells me that those that 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 would be a less satisfying story because the game is uglier. Um Yes, although from the perspective of like character development, college basketball is, is pretty interesting because these kids are so young and they're they're under so much pressure. And I think you know, I think that's something that is underestimated. Um in general, when non-sports fans are thinking about sports, it's just like the absolute strength of character that it takes to be somebody like LeBron, like somebody who is performing at the height of athletic achievement while under like immense scrutiny and under so much pressure. Like you could have the athletic ability and sort of lack that um that mental ability and you wouldn't be LeBron, right? Like it's hard to, I I think, I think it can be hard for, um, for non-sports fans to understand just how much excellence it takes on all levels to be, to be successful at professional sports. So it's even be in professional sports. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts at the college level, right? Like you have to, a a lot of these guys are, played in college for a while and they were stars even then and they're young they're little kids (laughs) yeah no that's that's something that that's sort of always bugged me it's sort of you know uh you get you get into like playoff basketball and if someone misses a shot it's like oh they mentally couldn't handle it it's just like to even get to the point of being in that spot you've sort of passed that test so many times yeah. So maybe they're just trying to do something really hard and didn't work. But instead, it's always it's always course, oh yeah. mentally, and that's just like, nope. I I I got to uh, I I I you know, I was a I was a gladiator and I won every fight and then I got to this point and I was just like nah I'm done I don't care anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's that I can't I can't shoot a free throw. Didn't practice yeah. hard enough. Yeah. 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 It's just, that that just that, that beggars belief that 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 that's what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you hear like, like something that is said, I think about NBA players in particular often is that, you know, somebody is articulate, like it'll, it'll be noteworthy that, that that the player after, you know, in his post game interview has spoken well or something. And it's like, partly it's racism, 
But it's also like, why are you surprised that this guy who has like the one of the most challenging careers on the planet is articulate? <laughs> like, why why is that shocking? Yeah, no, that I mean, that's that's an interesting aspect in and of itself. Is there is somewhat of a divide between the players who can, you know, in in sort of whatever vernacular they're using, can can verbalize their kind of how they went through the game, and some who can't. And I'm not sure yeah. that there's. And I'm not sure there's even any sort of a split in terms of ability. It's, no, it's, yeah. it's and 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 that's always fascinating to me. That's that's always you know from a a sports writing standpoint. Those are always my favorite pieces. Is when you know they get a player to be so. I did this here because I saw and that this thing and I was like, wait, you saw all of that in like you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. a quarter of a and, and it's true. And that's why they're NBA players. But it's just like yeah. I those things are just always very interesting to hear. Yeah, and you know, and again, that's sort of the uh, the soapbox comes back out. That's the that's the kind of stuff that, like, sort of most coverage now like steers away from. Right, and I think that's the interesting part. Yeah, um, which, like, as you say, just like would be a would be a a pretty good way instead of telling us how good these guys are would be pretty good way of demonstrating it. Right. It's like, oh, those are all the things. Oh, sure. You, yeah, I could, I could do that. And even if I could physically do those things, I couldn't mentally do those things in that, of course, yeah. in that 20th of a second. No. Yeah. 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 Well, I, had, I, have, I could talk to you about this, about this book for, for hours. I guess I just want to, like, the folks who are listening, just again, I would really recommend uh, reading the novel. And it's it's uh, it's called the second season. And um, uh, again, I I super enjoyed it, and I'm glad you wrote it. Um, do you think you'll ever return to the uh, the the sporting milieu again, or is that that was the right one at this time, and probably the next one is is set somewhere else? I, it wouldn't be soon. Um... I, it's, I, I, it's not what I'm working on right now. Um, but I, I don't, I mean, I, what I have noticed lately is what I am, whatever I'm writing, whether it's an essay or a short story or a new book or whatever, there is more uh, athletics sort of sneaking in there than there used to be because it has become sort of part of my worldview. <laughs> like how I, how, it's part of how I think about life now and how people operate. Um, I've noticed a lot of just, just like weird references to either basketball or another sport or even to people who have their own sort of obsessive workout routines or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if I wrote another sports novel someday. Well, uh, I guess the last thing before I, uh, before I, 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 I let you go is, is what can you tell me about what you're working on now? Um, it's, so wildly different from the second season. I'm writing a, a memoir right now that is um, largely about my mother. Um, and it's sort of about her life before she had kids. It's about her experiences uh, growing up in the Mormon church and leaving it. And it's sort of a combination of like uh, narrative and research and interview transcripts that I did with her when we hadn't seen each other in over a year because of COVID. Um, it's really personal. It's like it's been really emotionally draining, but really satisfying to read um, or sorry to write. And I'm about to give it to her to read for the first time. Oof. But yeah, totally, totally different. Um, a hard pivot. No, <laughs> I know. I'm, 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 I'm more saying oof about like that. Like just imagine yes. he, he, 
Here, here, you, here you go, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like here's your trauma. Yeah. yeah. As like as as terrifying as handing off any piece of writing is in the best of times, that that strikes me as yeah. even another like another three levels. Yeah, yeah. But I think you know, I think it's it's really it's kind of a love letter to my mom. I think she'll see it that way, even if there are some tough parts to read. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, that's how. That, I mean, that 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 sounds uh, amazingly interesting and um, possibly emotionally draining to to read as as much as not not as much as, but as as it would be to write, I guess. Yes, but if you know, if it, if it's if it's too hard for some, there's always my basketball novel to fall back. <laughs> for, for us to fall back on, yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, for for taking the time. I I really enjoyed uh, uh, chatting with you again. And and uh, I guess when it, when I interviewed you for the athletic last year, there was there was about I felt like I had forty. I felt like I had hours more of questions that I didn't a- didn't ask. <laughs> so I uh, feel like I got got those out tonight. Thank you. That that was that interview for the athletic was one of uh, the my favorite interviews that I did during that press circuit. I I, I loved it a lot, and it was great to talk to you again. You as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Night. Good night. Um, so for, for folks listening, pretty hard pivot from from that. Uh, tomorrow I am talking to uh, the beat writer from uh, The Athletic for the Brooklyn Nets, Alex Schiffer. And uh, I'm thinking we're probably going to talk about Ben Simmons and James Harden and all that. So uh, join me tomorrow afternoon for that. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone.